Before you decide to follow Jesus, you may want to consider the cost. The same goes for marriage too. Let's talk about that. Hi, I'm Josh. Welcome to Honestly Radio. When I got married, I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. Spoiler alert, I did not. In fairness, my wife didn't either. But I knew she was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And so, in front of God and our family, we pledged to love each other no matter what. And after 12 years and 6 months, we have explored the depths of what, no matter what, really looks like. It's a full-out commitment to love each other at our best and at our worst. I knew from the very beginning that no matter the cost, I would happily pay it for my bride. And thankfully, she's willing to pay the cost for me as well. But the reality is, around half the people who get married will also get divorced. In fact, in the time I've been talking, a couple just got divorced in America. One study shows that every 42 seconds, a couple that said I do are now saying we won't. And as tragic as that is, so is the number one cause of divorce in America. Lack of commitment. What does that mean? Basically, people just give up on one another. They say, not worth it, and leave. And I have to wonder, did they really count the cost of marriage, or did they get caught up in the emotion, the feelings, and the idea of a person, rather than what it would actually cost them to live sacrificially for another someone for the rest of their lives? And before I go further, I want to say this isn't always mutual. It just takes one partner to give up. And that happens far too often. So if you are facing a life-changing commitment, I urge you to really carefully count all of what it will cost you and really evaluate if you're willing to pay that for the rest of your life. And as crucial as this is in marriage, it's just as important in your faith. Because just as your spouse doesn't want half of you a third of the time, Jesus wants you to surrender your whole life if you want to follow him. We see this example in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. To set the scene, a humongous crowd was following Jesus. As he healed people with leprosy, a Roman officer's servant who was paralyzed with terrible pain, Peter's mom with a fever, demon-possessed people, and all the sick people who came before Christ. Jesus was pouring out his life for others so that they might experience the miraculous touch of God. And because of his humanity, he was desperately tired. But you can also imagine the excitement that had built up as person after person was healed, the emotion that filled the people as they experienced something that had never happened before. And when it was time for Jesus to leave, we see two men respond. The Bible says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. A quick note, this was an incredible moment. One of the men who had opposed Jesus was now willing to leave everything to follow him, to break rank with his fellow teachers. And Jesus is not complaining or trying to discourage the man, but rather he wants to know if he has really considered the cost, the suffering and sacrifice that would follow this commitment. It's really easy to say yes to Jesus when you're caught up in an emotionally charged moment, when we're surrounded by crowds of people who are united in worship and praise. 
And that's what this teacher had experienced, being one of the crowd who was amazed at what Jesus was doing. But Christ wanted to know, will you love me, serve me, and follow me when there's no longer the cheers of the crowd, no longer the praise of the people, when things get really tough, dirty, and not very glamorous? But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. And with that, the man turned away, because he hadn't counted the cost, and now that he knew it, he wasn't willing to pay. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. A bit of clarity here, this does not mean the man's father was dead. I must bury my father was a common expression at the time for, let me wait until I receive my inheritance. He's telling Jesus, hey, I got some money coming my way. I don't want to miss out on this. Is it okay if I just hang back until I collect? Then I'll go. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. I love the way Christ would speak. No, if you're going to follow me, do it now. If you hang back for more money, you're going to miss the miraculous. Don't trade away heavenly treasures for earthly gain. The inheritance Christ is offering is far greater than anything this world could offer. Two men, one on the outside, the other on the inside, and both hadn't really counted the cost of following Jesus. But the important thing to note is that Jesus had counted the cost of saving them as well as you and I, and he was willing to pay it with his life. He had counted the cost from the moment sin had entered the world, and he said, I will pay it gladly to redeem my people. And so here is the king of the universe, homeless, serving the outcast of society as he marched toward a horrendous death on a cross to rescue the world from sin. The son of God who took on all the pains and struggles of our humanity while still maintaining all of his divine being. He gave up everything to be with us. And in his infinite goodness, Jesus is asking us to just sacrifice a few things to follow him. He's not trying to trick us into this choice to play on our emotions. No, he wants us to see what it means to be a follower of Christ and still choose him. The blessing with the sacrifice, the miraculous with the mundane, the moments of triumph and the moments of being so very tired from serving others. Verse 23 continues, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. Extreme storms were common on the Sea of Galilee. Due to it being so far below sea level and next to a mountain, strong winds would sweep through the gorges into the valley, causing sudden and violent weather. The Bible says, but Jesus was sleeping. We are about to witness one of the most awesome displays of Christ's power, proof that he is God. But before it, we also see a touching display of his humanity. An infinite God wrapped in human flesh was desperately tired from healing everyone who came to him, from casting out demons and from using every moment possible to minister to those who needed it most. What's remarkable is that after seeing Jesus do so many miracles, proclaim that he is God, they were still afraid during the storm. When you're counting the cost of following Christ, I can guarantee 
two things when you are in Christ. One, you will face massive, severe, and threatening storms. And two, Jesus is with you. And this was true for the disciples in a very literal sense, but what happened next revealed who they were to Jesus and who Christ was to them. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. What is a storm to the God of the universe? Did they really think the boat would sink with Jesus in it? Did they really think that Christ would allow them to die? But that's what can happen when things get really difficult. We question our relationship instead of having faith in what God had established and its ability to overcome. It's in those moments where our commitments are tested, and they can either be strengthened or abandoned. And although he didn't have to, Jesus responds, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Marriages are a fragile union. They rely on the continued commitment of two flawed people, the daily measuring and payment of the cost. With Jesus, it's different. He has already weighed everything we have ever done, and still he chose us then, and he chooses us every day of our lives. He counted that cost, and he pays it gladly with his life. Now, the only thing left is for us to count the cost of Christ and truly examine whether we are willing to pay whatever it takes to follow Jesus, to examine our hearts and see if we truly know him and acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior, or if we're more like the dumbfounded disciples in the boat who are still wondering, who is this man? Jesus shared the depth of his commitment with the disciples who would choose to remain at the end of his time on earth. We see this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Jesus says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is not new information he is sharing. It's the reaffirming of who he is. When he says, I am with you, it's a beautiful echo of the beginning of Matthew's gospel. When we're introduced to Jesus as Emmanuel, or God with us. And Christ reaffirms his great commitment that he remains with us. I pray that you would fully embrace that truth. And in light of who Jesus is, fully commit to following Christ after carefully weighing the cost and being willing to pay it gladly. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Now is a great time to explore God's word yourself by reading Matthew chapter 8 on your own. If you need a Bible, just tap on the link in the Honestly Radio Instagram or Facebook page. We have free resources for you, as well as ways to connect and download the podcast. I want to encourage you to seek God daily through prayer, the Bible, and through attendance and service at a local church. Allow Christ to begin building your faith. Thank you for joining us on Honestly Radio. Remember, live honestly, be blessed. We'll see you next time.